Friends and travelers, however you've arrived, I bid you welcome. Here at Let's Be Frank, we're about lives, and above all, living well. I don't suspect a podcast hosted by Benjamin Franklin could be about anything else. In my lifetime, I pursued the practice of moral improvement like a science, recording my successes, and yes, oftentimes reveling in my failings. It's my genuine hope, with our weekly almanac, to feed to a curious world delicious morsels of history in quick and concise installments, perfect for a nice sit in your favorite chair, a morning walk to work. At the end of each installment, I like to wrap it all up in a neat little parcel with a lesson you can apply to your own life, inspired by the events, personalities, and ideas covered in each episode. So sit back, relax, and together, let's make history. Greetings and salutations, dear listener. Welcome to another installment of Let's Be Frank with me, your faithful friend and host, Dr. Benjamin Franklin, printer. (laughs) My dear friends, what a week it has been indeed. You may have noticed several days after episode 17 released, Let's Be Frank made its debut on YouTube, thanks to our friends at Too Complicated for History. You can subscribe to their YouTube channel and look forward to new episodes of Let's Be Frank dropping every Wednesday. Now, Speaking of new episodes, you may have noticed that on Friday, a new podcast made its debut. Well, a podcast within a podcast. Our co-creator, Mr. Brian Austin, has created a behind-the-scenes podcast called behind the Benjamin, about all the work that goes into creating this unique podcast. This podcast is made specifically for the members of our Patreon, as a thank you for their generous support in helping us along this adventure. Now, if you do wish to get involved in our mission to empathetically connect the present with the past, this podcast becomes available for a simple pledge of $5 a month. Now, as always, nothing is expected, I'm rich enough for your company. I'm simply thrilled to be able to create this content and community and wish to expand it to as wide an audience as possible. Now, speaking of expanding it, I sat down early this week with my new partners at Primary Source Media. We both agreed that this platform has been essential in bringing the 18th century to life, However, they grew somewhat somber and confided that perhaps it was time that I, Dr. Benjamin Franklin, became acquainted with the 21st century and saw what the world had to teach me. So with that, they asked if I would be obliged to begin watching uh, threads, uh, TikToks, making stitches, Well, I confided to my friends that while I had a lifelong career as a printer, I I never dabbled with tailoring or clockmaking, but ever the student, I said I was willing to give it a try. So in the coming weeks, you can look forward to a heightened presence on TikTok. You can look forward to reaction videos, stitches, threads, and in summary, uh, more content from your favorite founding father. 
As always, dear listener, I welcome your ideas. If you find a video you wish for me to comment on or have a new idea as to how this platform can better engage with the wider historic community, as always, don't hesitate to reach out to me on any of our social media platforms or at the email inquiries at bfranklinlive.com. I certainly don't want to be the only one enjoying myself. I want all of you to be able to enjoy it as well. Now, having gotten all of that out of the way, we can get to today's installment. For purposes of good order, this podcast is composed of several primary sources associated with Ben Franklin's life, knit together to collect it all into one narrative on a cohesive theme. Today's installment is about a favored pastime in the course of my life. It's about a subtle art that can accelerate time in good season and cause it to crawl in bad. It's about something which can at once make any individual a fast friend and confidant. Today's installment, my dear friends, is about conversation. And dear listener, let me ask you, do you have that friend or acquaintance who, somehow in the space of time away from them, you forget entirely why you detest their company? I had that reminder yesterday. Dear listener, I had thought it had been some time since I paid a particular visit to an old friend, and so I invited him to have dinner with me on the town at my expense. And in the course of the evening, dear listener, I had such a reminder as to why I abhorred his company that by evening's close I had had my fill of him for the next several months and had resolved to not speak to him again until Lord knows I forget and I go calling on him once more. I shouldn't name him. Not only for honor's sake, but in the event that he's listening to this. Although, it it may be safe to say no one in 18th century Philadelphia City is listening to this. They can't. They don't have computers. But all the same, I resolve to speak ill of no man whatever. Not even in the matter of truth. But rather, by some means, excuse the faults I hear charged upon others. And upon proper occasions, speak all the good I know of everybody. And so, rather than speak ill of the man, I should instead speak ill of the qualities of the man that made him such a disagreeable companion, to take this poor experience and to turn it into a learning opportunity for us all. And so here it is, my beloved Junto, laid out in proper rules, rules by the observation of which a man of wit and learning may nevertheless make himself a disagreeable companion. Your business is to shine. Therefore, you must by all means prevent the shining of others, for their brightness may make yours the less distinguished. To this end, one, if possible, engross the whole discourse, and when other matters fail, talk much of yourself, your education, your knowledge, your circumstances, your successes in business, your victories in disputes, your own wise sayings and observations on particular occasions, etc., etc., etc. Two, if when you are out of breath, one of the company should seize the opportunity of saying something, watch his words, and if possible, find somewhat either in his sentiment or expression immediately to contradict and raise a dispute upon. Rather than fail, criticize even his grammar. Three, if another should be saying an indisputably good thing, either give no attention to it or interrupt him or draw away the attention of others. Or if you can guess what he would be at, be quick and say it before him. Or if he gets it said and you perceive the company pleased with it, 
own it to be a good thing, and withal remarked that it had been said by Bacon, Locke, Bale, or some other eminent writer. Thus you deprive him of the reputation he might have gained by it, and gained some yourself, as you hereby show your great reading and memory. For, when modest men have been thus treated by you a few times, they will choose ever after to be silent in your company. Then you may shine on without fear of a rival, rallying them at the same time for their dullness, which will be to you a new fund of wit. Thus you will be sure to please yourself. The polite man aims at pleasing others, but you shall go beyond him even in that. A man can be present only in one company, but many at the same time be absent in twenty. He can please only where he is, you wherever you are not. I had thought, given such a good example of bad company, today's episode would be a fair time to revisit a piece of wisdom I submitted in the Pennsylvania Gazette in October of 1730. It's the last set laid down how to be unsuccessful in keeping good company. This next series of rules should yield the opposite. On Conversation by Benjamin Franklin to please in conversation is an art which all people believe they understand and practice, though most are ignorant or deficient in it. The bounds and manners of this paper will not only allow a regular and methodical discourse on the subject, and therefore I must beg leave to throw my thoughts together as they rise. The two grand requisites in the art of pleasing are complacence and good nature, Complacence is a seeming preference of others to ourselves, and good nature a readiness to overlook or excuse their foibles and do them all the services we can. These two principles must gain us their good opinion and make them fond of us for their own sake, and then all we do or say will appear to the best advantage and be well accepted. Learning, wit, and fine parts with these shine in full luster become wonderfully agreeable, and command affection, but without them only seem an assuming over others, and occasion envy and disgust. The common mistake is that people think to please by setting themselves to view and showing their own perfections, whereas the easier and more effectual way lies quite contrary. Would you win the hearts of others, you must not seem to vie with, but admire them. Give them every opportunity of displaying their own qualifications, and when you have indulged their vanity, they will praise you too in turn, and prefer you above others in order to secure to themselves the pleasure your commendation gives. But above all, we should mark out those things which cause dislike, and avoid them with great care. The most common amongst these is talking overmuch and robbing others of their share of the discourse. This is not only incivility, but injustice, for everyone has a natural right to speak in turn, and to hinder it is a usurpation of common liberty, which never fails to excite resentment. Beside, great talkers usually leap from one thing to another with so much rapidity, and so ill a connection, that what they say is a mere chaos of noise and nonsense. Though did they speak like angels, they still would be disagreeable. 
It is very pleasant when two of these people meet. The vexation they both feel is visible in their looks and gestures. You shall see them gape and stare and interrupt one another at every turn and watch with the utmost impatience for a cough or a pause. They may crowd a word in edgeways. Neither hears nor cares what the other says, but both talk on at any rate and never fail to part highly disgusted with each other. I knew two ladies, gifted this way, who by accident travelled in a boat twenty miles together, in which short journey they were both so extremely tired of one another that they could never after mention each other's name without any temper or be brought to company together, but retained a mutual aversion which could never be worn out. The contrary fault to this, and almost as disobliging, is that of seeming wholly unconcerned in conversation, and bearing no other part in the discourse than a no or a yes sometimes, or a him, or perhaps a nod only. This inattention and indifference appears so like disrespect that it affronts the desire we all possess of being taken notice of and regarded, and makes the company of those who practice it tiresome and insipid. Such is the vanity of mankind, that minding what others say is a much surer way of pleasing them than talking well ourselves. Another error very common and highly disagreeable is to be ever speaking of ourselves and of our own affairs. What is it to the company we fall into, whether we quarrel with our servants, whether our children are froward and dirty, or what we intend to have for dinner tomorrow? The prattle of a child, the spoiling of a suit of clothes, the expenses of housekeeping, or the preparations for a journey may be to ourselves matters of great importance, as they occasion us pain or pleasure. But wherein are strangers concerned, or what amusement can they possibly receive from such accounts? Opposite to this, but not less troublesome, is the impertinent inquisitiveness of some people, which is ever prying into and asking ten thousand questions about the business of others. To search after and endeavor to discover secrets is an unpardonable rudeness. But what makes this disposition worse? It is usually attended with an ill-natured, ungenerous, and mischievous desire of exposing and aggravating the mistakes and infirmities of others. People of this turn are the pest of society, and become both feared and hated. On these two heads it may be useful always to remember that we never ought to trouble people with more of our own affairs than is needful for them to know nor inquire farther into theirs than themselves think fit to tell us. Storytelling is another mistake in conversation, which should be avoided by all who intend to please. It is impossible to hear a long, insipid, trifling tale, void of wit or humor, drawn in by neck and shoulders, and told merely for the sake of talking, without being uneasy at it. Besides, people this way given are apt to tell the same string of stories with all their rambling particulars again and again, without considering that whatsoever pleasure themselves may find in talking, their hearers wish their tongues out. Old folks are most subject to this error, which is one chief reason their company is so often shunned. Another very disagreeable error is a spirit of wrangling and disputing, which some perpetually bring with them into company, 
insomuch that they say whatever you will, they'll be sure to contradict you. <laughs> and if you go about to give reasons for your own opinion, however just they be, or however modestly proposed, you throw them into rage and passion. Though perhaps they are wholly unacquainted with the affair, and you have made yourself master of it, it is no matter. The more ignorant they are, you still find them the more positive." And what they want in knowledge they endeavor to supply by obstinacy, noise, and fury. And when you press hard upon them, instead of argument, they fly to personal reproaches and invectives. Thus, every trifle becomes a serious business. Raillery is a part of conversation, which to treat of fully would require a whole paper. But now I have only room to observe that it is highly entertaining or exceedingly disobliging according as it is managed, and therefore we ought to use it with all the caution possible. Natural infirmities, unavoidable misfortunes, defects or deformities of any kind should never be the subject of it, for then it is not only impertinent, but affronting and inhuman. It's like salt, a little of which in some cases gives a relish, but if thrown on by handfuls or sprinkled on things at random, it spoils all. Raillery supposes wit, but agreeable as wit is, when it takes a wrong turn, it becomes dangerous and mischievous. When wit applies itself to search into, expose, and ridicule the faults of others, it often inflicts a wound that rankles in the heart and is never to be forgiven. To rally safely, and so as to please, it is requisite that we perfectly know our company. It's not enough that we intend no ill." We must be likewise certain what we say shall be taken as we intend it. Otherwise, for the sake of a jest, we may lose a friend, and make an inveterate enemy. I shall say no more on this head, but that we ought to use it sparingly, and whatever opportunities may offer us showing our parts this way, so soon as any body appears uneasy at it, and receives it with a grave face, both good manners and discretion advise to change the subject for something else more harmless." akin to raillery, and what oftentimes goes along with it, is scandal. But if people hereby think to gain esteem, they unhappily are mistaken. For every body, even those who hear them with a seeming pleasure, considers them with a kind of horror. No one's reputation is safe against such tongues. All in turn may expect to suffer by them. Insensible of the ties of friendship or sentiments of humanity, such creatures are mischievous as bears or tigers and are as much abhorrent and feared. There are many more mistakes which render people disagreeable in conversation, but these are the most obvious, and whatsoever avoids them carefully can never much displease. I shall only add, in a few words, what are the most likely means to make a man be well accepted. Let his air, his manner and behavior be easy and courteous an affable void of everything haughty or assuming, his words few, expressed with modesty, and a respect for those he talks to. Be he ever ready to hear what others say, let him interrupt nobody, nor intrude with his advice unasked. Let him never trouble other people about his own affairs, nor concern himself with theirs. Let him avoid disputes, and when he dissents from others, propose his reasons with calmness and complacence. Be his wit ever guided by discretion and good nature, nor let him sacrifice a friend to raise a laugh. Let him not censor others, nor expose their failings, but kindly excuse or hide them. 
Let him neither raise nor propagate a story to the prejudice of anybody. In short, be his study to command his own, temper to learn the humors of mankind, and to conform himself accordingly. You know, dear listener, I genuinely expect that if you move through the catalogue of our auditory almanac, I likely have broken every single rule of this conversation essay. It makes me immediately wish to be gentler to my friend I saw the other day. Perhaps I should invite him out once more, give him another chance to redeem himself. Oh, dear listener, you see how quickly I forget. <laughs> now what lesson can we derive from today's installment? We often fall into the trap of trying to make ourselves more interesting than we appear, for the hope of being liked, of being accepted, of being loved. How much of our lives do we spend trying to persuade the world we're worthy of simply existing? Now, the best tools at our disposal in being successful at conversation isn't the ready disposal of facts, of jokes, of stories. Instead, it's how well we can make the person in front of us shine. How clever can we make them feel? How hard can we laugh at their jokes? If you can make the other person the most interesting one in the room, well, your company, dear listener, should never be disagreeable to keep. Not that it ever should be, dear listener. That's all for today's installment. Would that we had more hours in the day, but as always, we have nothing but time between us. Resource materials and images from this week's episode can be found in the journal section at www.bfranklinlive.com. If you like the show, subscribe and stay up to date with all the latest gossip and news, and do me the kindness of leaving a review. You can follow us on Facebook at Let's Be Frank and Instagram at Be Franklin Live. And finally, dear listener, spread the word. Tell your family, tell your neighbors, tell your horse, I don't care. Let's make our intellectual junto grow. And now, dear listeners, our time together must come to an end. Fare thee well, and always remember, when you are good to others, you are best to yourself. Until we meet again, I remain your humble and obedient servant, Dr. Benjamin Franklin, printer. Stay curious, my friends. 